Episode 50 One afternoon in January 1989, Kyle's van raced across the desert. He was headed to Vegas to pick up a disc containing specs for a new video poker machine. The disc would be stored in one of New Christmastown's underground vaults. As New Christmastown's director of transportation and one of the fleet's regular drivers, Kyle traveled the country, meeting its citizens in all their random glory. His van attracted attention wherever he went. People could not believe it was not an actual aquarium on wheels. Enthralled with its beauty, they had no idea it carried billion-dollar secrets. Kyle gave the admirers Enrique's card. He had commissioned Enrique to paint Christmastown's entire fleet, a project that would be completed in approximately 1998. Enrique would eventually use the money for college, but right now he was helping out his family. His father, Bob, had died just before Christmas. The people Kyle met thought he was a musician or a cowboy poet, an impression he encouraged by wearing a cowboy hat and a belt buckle with an eagle on it. He was also something of a raconteur. At bars along the interstate, at diners and gas stations and Native American souvenir shops, he talked. He picked up hitchhikers and talked. He talked about his childhood in Vegas, where he had walked a hitman's dog, whose name was Ruth. He talked about the night he met his wife. She literally swept me off my feet, he said. We swam in the casino pool with our clothes on. That was the best night of my life. He mentioned how he had accidentally shot himself in the foot, and one or two people seemed to remember that, or a story similar to that. Weren't you on Letterman, they asked, glancing stealthily at his cane. At this point, Kyle asked them about their lives, which had been his true purpose all along. He was greedy for other people's stories, and not only because they diluted the sometimes unsatisfying flavor of his own. His new thing was documentation. When the workers had dismantled the dome last July, Kyle had suddenly felt overwhelmed by the fragility of the human species. If and when humanity's end came, most likely by nuclear war, the corporate secrets stored in the new Christmastown facility would survive. The plastic toys and polyester clothes and cheap appliances churned out by Karl's Marx overseas manufacturers would live in mutant forms in oceans and landfills and drainage ditches the world over. But the stories wouldn't make it unless he helped. He recorded people telling their life stories with his camcorder. From time to time, he even thought about firing up the in-home studio and doing his own TV show. He would have to steer clear of the frontier mythology bit, though. Look what it had done to poor Topper. No, better to be done with show business as such. Documentation was the name of the game now. Kyle had convinced Jackie that the stories were every bit as precious as the gazillion bytes of secret data that formed the foundation of New Christmastown. He had his own section for storing tapes in the facility. On his way to and from Vegas, he figured he'd make at least half a dozen more. For example, here was this guy Kyle had just picked up by the on-ramp, a wild-looking old man with a backpack that reeked so badly Kyle had made him strap it to the roof. The guy looked extremely familiar. In his peripheral vision, Kyle caught him studying his face with an expression of mystified concern. The winter sun backlit the man's hair, twisted with twigs and leaves and dirt. His beard was long and similarly leafy. He looked like a woodland Santa. I'm headed to Vegas, Kyle said. How far are you going? Dunno, the man said, in a voice that sounded like tectonic plates grinding together. The rumbling died away, and he turned to look out the window. Vegas it is, then, Kyle said. That's where I'm from. I'm going to visit my parents. This was, in theory, the truth. He didn't have to pick up the specs for the poker machine until tomorrow, yet he had made a point of going a day early so that he would be forced to do his filial duty. Kyle had not seen his parents in almost two years. His dad said he was losing his eyesight. His dad never admitted to any form of aging, so the problem had to be serious. Kyle had been trying to picture how the reunion would go. In every scenario so far, he had ended up sprawled at his dad's feet, begging for forgiveness. And his father had kicked him. The half-blind old man had kicked him in the head. 
Where are you from? Kyle asked the hitchhiker. Where from? the man repeated. He picked at the glove compartment latch with his fingernail, black and ridged as a muscle shell. So Kyle started in with his own tales. He told the man about his daughter, Katie, what a bright and energetic kid she had been, and still was, but in a different way now. They had been such buddies, Katie and Kyle. When she was, oh, six or seven, they used to play this game called Freeze Sucker. Kyle would spot Katie coming out of her room. Their eyes would meet and flare with shared conspiracy. Kyle formed his fingers into a gun and tucked it up against his left shoulder, and then he slipped around the corner. Katie walked toward him, singing, La, 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 I just robbed a store because I'm a robber. Kyle leapt out in front of her, his finger gun pointed at her head. Freeze, sucker. But suddenly Katie had her own finger gun with a silencer. Pshoo, pshoo, pshoo. Kyle clutched his chest and staggered back into the living room. You got me. Ah, kiddo, you got me. He fell on the carpet and writhed, kicking his legs like a bug. Then he lay perfectly still until Katie came over and poked him in the shoulder with her toe. Dad, you dead? Rawr, he shouted. He grabbed Katie around the knees and gobbled a mouthful of her checked bell-bottom slacks. Katie collapsed in giggles. She still had that same spark, Kyle told the stranger. It was just that at some point it had turned more volatile. She seemed to want to suffer, but the kind of suffering she'd chosen was pointless. She could never cure a man sickened by war. Kyle went to see her band perform at the Missing Link at least once a month, and she seemed happy, even at peace. But the songs she sang were sad and terrifying. Her tattoo, which she'd finally let him see, was a chain. It's weird, Kyle said to the stranger. I always thought I owed Hunter a kind of debt, and now Katie's paying it. Kyle had not planned to deliver this particular parcel of information. He always tried to keep his banter light with strangers. There was no need to burden them. Besides, what was this guy supposed to do about Kyle's problems, which had to be totally minor compared to his? The man kept looking out the window. Kyle couldn't tell if he'd even been listening. You have kids? Kyle asked. The tectonic plates began to grind. I think I have a wife, came the response. Kyle stopped to let the hitchhiker out at the Welcome to Fabulous Las Vegas sign. As he collected his pack from the roof of the car, Kyle leaned out the window to ask if he would like to have his story videotaped and preserved for the ages. Old people in particular tended to say yes. They could record right there in front of the sign, Kyle said, which would be picturesque. But the guy had already turned away. In the rearview mirror, Kyle saw him heading back in the direction they had just come from.